podcast. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Movie Bar Podcast, the average movie podcast for average movie fans by average movie fans. The bar is now open. Welcome to episode 60. I am your host, John. I'm Kyle. And I'm Justin making all this noise over here. Kyle, can you tilt your camera up a little bit? All I see is your nose. Thank you. You got it, Justin. <laughs> Justin, do you have anything for Has Kyle Seen It? No. I do not. Okay. Yeah, my I apologize. I don't have anything either, so we're going to skip that. Any big news stories this week? New trailers? You guys see anything? Uh, I don't think so. Nothing I was too impressed with anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get into movies we watched. Kyle, start us off. Um, The only movie I've watched this week is Last Action Hero. Yeah. That's a good movie to see, but... Yeah, it's only one. All right, Justin, how about you? What did you watch this week? I'm not far behind. (laughs) Watched uh, Super Mario Brothers and Last Action Hero. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll make up for us. I didn't watch too much this week. I I did watch... John goes through his entire voodoo library. (laughs) Nope. Uh, I watched... um, (laughs) Spy Hard. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, The Boogeyman, the new Stephen King movie. And Last Action Hero. Yeah, late week. All right, how about our picks of the week? Justin, start us off. Well, I went with Batman, 1989. Great Batman. Gotham City crime boss Carl Grissom, played by Jack Palance, effectively runs the town, but there's a new crime fighter in town, Batman, played by Michael Keaton. Grissom's right-hand man is Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, a brutal man who is not entirely sane. After falling up between the two Grissom and has Napier set up with the police, and Napier falls to his apparent death. However, he soon reappears as the Joker and starts a reign of terror in Gotham City. Meanwhile, Vicki Vale is in the city to do an article on Batman, and she gets involved, and Batman saves the day. That was not the right synopsis, so there we go. (laughs) Yeah, okay, fail there. Yep. Did you choose this um, because the Flash is coming out? I did because this is the Batman that all other Batman should be held up against, and this is the Joker that all other live-action Jokers should be held up against. You're not a Jared Leto Joker fan? Yes. He is the worst Joker ever. He was terrible, absolutely atrocious. Well, you know, I think it's because, you know, this was our Batman and our Joker. Who's the original? I mean, it's Jack Nicholson. 
Yes. And I'm sure Danny DeVito is our penguin. Well, yeah. Have they made a penguin in the newer movies? Yeah, yeah, they just did with the, what's his name? They call him Farrell. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And they have, he has a spinoff either show or movie or that might have been canceled. I don't know. No, no, it's coming out. (laughs) That whole Max thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm confused. But, uh, all right, I'll go. Uh, my pick of the week is the Helen Back to Kane Hodder story. Actor and Hollywood stuntman Kane Hodder becomes an ir- horror icon when he lands the role, the role of Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, Part 7. This chronicles his childhood, his burn, kind of like a, a companion piece to the book. Um, but it was initially released on August 26, 2007 by Derek Dennis Herbert. So, have you guys seen it yet? It's good. I watched it with a friend and she was almost brought to tears. Such an emotional story. But it's a good story. So, all right, Kyle, what's your pick of the week? I chose Censor. Um, It's about a British film censor that links a disturbing horror movie to her sister's disappearance and she vows to unravel the mystery came out June 11th, 2021, directed by Prano Bailey Bond. And, yeah, no, it's just a good, stylish horror movie, some good twists. Um, I watched it in a double feature a while back with uh, St. Maud, and they kind of go together, two horror movies. But this is my favorite of the two. Um, yeah. Is that streaming anywhere? That sounds interesting. I think it's on Shudder, but I could be wrong. Okay. Or Amazon Prime. It's probably on one of those. Okay. All right. It's time for our main topic. Last Action Hero. Uh, it was initially released on June 13th, 1993, which would be 20 years tomorrow, as we were recording this on Monday. Wow. And we timed that good. Not 20. No. What? Oh, 30. Never mind. There you go. Thanks. Um, yes, it was directed we're by... old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it was directed by John McTiernan. Screenplay written by Shane Black and David Arnett. Arnott, uh, rated PG-13 for strong action sequences and has a runtime of one hour and 50 minutes. Um, its box office is 137.3 million with a budget of 85 million. It was distributed by Columbia Pictures and you can currently stream it on Netflix and Hulu. Our cast of characters, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger as Detective Jack Slater, a fictional LAPD police officer, serves as the film's protagonist. Uh, you get Charles, Charles Dance as Mr. Benedict, the volume's right hand man. Austin O'Brien as Danny Madigan, a 10-year-old boy who's a big fan of the Slater franchise. Uh, you got Robert Prosky as Nick the Projectionist, Tom Noonan as the Ripper, uh, Frank McRae as Lieutenant Decker, Anthony Quinn as Tony Vivaldi, and Bridget Wilson as Whitney Slater, F. Murray Abraham as John Practice, Mercedes Rule as Irene Madigan, 
Art Carney as Frank Slater, Professor Toru Tanaka as Vivaldi Benedict's bodyguard, and Ryan Todd as Andrew Slater, Jack's son. And then a boatload of cameo appearance of Franco Colombo. He was a boss. Trent Swell. In the movie, LAPD. Um, they both starred with Schwarzenegger and Total Recall. Mike Muscat appears as a cop in the LAPD headquarters. He was also in Terminator Judgment Day. Uh, Ole Thorson appear as Belvadi's henchman in the car chase. Sylvester Stallone as the Terminator in the poster promoting Terminator 2. Um, Angie Everhart as a video store clerk uh, during the world premiere of Jack Slater 4 in the real world. See Marie Schreiber, Little Richard, Entertainment Tonight host Lisa Gibbons, Jim Belusi who starred with Schwarzenegger in Red Heat and Jingle All the Way, Damon Wayans, Chevy Chase, Melvin Pebbles, uh, entertainment reporter Chris Conley, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, um, then uh, an MC asked later about a deal to do the Jack Slater 5 soundtrack. Michael V. Gazzo as crime boss Torelli. Wilson Phillips appears singing during the funeral scene. Ian McAllister. Danny DeVito DeVito appears as the voice of Whiskers, the cartoon police detective who also starred with Switzerland and Junior. Uh, Colleen Camp as Officer Ratcliffe and as an English teacher so, a lot of cameos in this movie. So, you guys ready to hop into it? Yes, let's do it. You stick okay. cotton balls in the dog's dog's nose. Mm-hmm. So the the movie begins with Danny Madigan, a ten year old boy living in the crime ridden area of New York City with his widowed mother Irene. Following their father's death, Danny takes comfort in watching action movies, especially a series. Featuring the air. This local movie theater owned by Nick, who acts as the projectionist. Nick gives Danny a golden ticket, once owned by Harry Houdini, to see an early screening of Jack Slater 4 before the official release. How come nobody ever showed us movies earlier? We weren't <coughs> friends with any projectionists or anything? Like, I don't know. You know, we didn't have, well, we had the old theater in Dedham Center, but you didn't want to go in there because it Smelled like B. Well, we had the showcase. <laughs> yeah, but that's a full size theater. That's not like a small yeah. get to know you mom and pop type place you go every day. I've always uh, wanted to own a small mom and pop movie. Yeah. Well, so. good luck with that. Yeah. Shake your grease. You know. But as he's watching the new Jack Slater film, the ticket stub magically transports Danny into the fictional world. Uh, interrupting Slater in the middle of a car chase, 
I mean, this the whole like I'm I'm a bit of a uh, uh you know I'm kind of biased on this one, but I mean the opening scene there for the Jack Slater movie, which is the only opening yep. credits they use for the movie. Um, the music is great throughout this movie, but they use like Megadeth right there, and then they got right into yep. ACDC. I, I love this. This movie is great. Uh, after escaping their pursuers, Slater takes Danny to the LAPD headquarters, where Danny points out all kinds of evidence pointing to the fact that, <laughs> that they're, how, how fictional this world is, uh, such as the presence of, you know, every woman there being highly attractive, uh, the cartoon cat, Whiskers, uh, and that John Practice shouldn't be trusted as he killed Mozart in another movie. Um, Though Slater dismisses all of this as part of Danny's wild imagination, his supervisor, Lieutenant Decker, assigns Danny as his new partner and instructs them to investigate criminal activities related to Mafia Boss Ben Wabi. I mean, this is just, you know, this movie is, and I'm going to say it because I don't care, but it's an unpopular opinion, but this is Schwarzenegger's best movie. I like this movie more than any of his other movies. Oh yeah, because yeah. It's, you know, you, you, you know, when it came out, I don't think people really realized what it was. But now, you know, now that I'm older, I go back and look at it, and you just see that it's just a big spoof on all the cliches of all the other action movies and all mm-hmm. the other things. Mm-hmm. And once you start seeing it like that, I mean, this is a spoof on the level with Spaceballs, Blazing Saddles. And like Mel Brooks type stuff. Just yeah. the way he slides so many just subtle references. And then there's the really big over the top ones, like all the, all the explosions and all that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just brilliant. This movie is great. Yeah. Especially when Danny's like, I can show you where the bad guys are. And he's like, Oh, you're just going to magically appear and show me. Just yeah. show me. Oh, that's how it works. You just point to go. He was yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. great. And you know, and definitely poking fun at itself, like all the different characters they're calling for roll call, like the the rabbi, the cat, the. You're just like, okay, so this or is what we're getting into. Scene when he's like, oh, of course I'm funny. I'm Arnold Brownswagger, famous comedian. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love I mean, the scene when the, the ex-wife calls and he just puts it on the recorder. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know. So. Um. So Danny guides Slater to Vivaldi's mansion because he recognized the location from the start of the movie, and there they meet Vivaldi's henchman, Mr. Benedict. Um. D- Danny later claims that Vivaldi and Benedict were the ones who killed Slater's second cousin. I was always thinking, second cousin. Yeah, Favorite second cousin. Yeah, it's a great joke. Um, but Slater has no evidence, and they are forced to leave. However, Benedict is curious of how Danny kind of knew the whole plan already, and he and several hired guns follow Slater and Danny back to Slater's house. There, Slater, his daughter Whitney, and Danny thwart the attack, um, though Benedict ends up getting the ticket stub. And he discovers its ability to transport him out of the film and into the real world. And I also love how, like, when they're in the film world, like, it looks a certain way. And obviously the action is super over the top. But, like, the movie obviously switches in the real world where it's not as over the top. And, like, it's darker colors and stuff. Um, I just thought that was fun. 
Let's talk about the house scene, shooting and the big gunfights happening, and Arnold shows up with the pizza delivery boy and comes in through the 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 window up top, and you know the daughter kicks the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when he electrocutes the guy, and he you know starts shooting, and and then the daughter just kicking the guy in the groin, shoots him across the room, knocks the bookcase down. And then she does a flip. She lands on top of it, and, and she keeps slapping him, you know, and screaming, and making it sound like she's the one getting hit. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's all really good. I mean it all flowed real well, and you know you could kind of follow it. You know you could kind of see like, all right, she knows yeah. what she's doing. She's clearly done this before, you know. So it's it's great. And when the bad guy burns the money, and I was like, so you knew to burn the money, yeah. yeah. Send a smoke signal. Let me know where you are at. Yeah. Yeah. And then he leaves the eye behind and the cop, you know, got to pick it up. Everybody, you know, just the another action movie trope. (laughs) And the guy's shooting the wall and, you know, you think he's killed Arnold and all of a sudden the hand grabs the gun. And, but, uh, so now they've come to the conclusion that. Bavadi's going to murder a rival mob by releasing a lethal gas during a funeral atop a skyscraper. So him and Danny go to stop it. And Arnold, you know, Arnold's like, stay in the car. And, and he goes, no. And he goes, well, in your movies, what happens when somebody says stay in the car? They I need a gun. There's guns in the glove box and a hundred guns fall out. Um, so then it turns out that how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice is actually working with Bavali and turns on Slater only to be stopped by Danny who then gets his gun taken away. But yet has another gun. That's when they find out that he's working for the mob. And Whiskers arrives, kills practice, saving Slater and Danny, and the two manage to prevent any deaths from the gas release, learning that Vivaldi's plan has failed. Benedict kills him and uses the stub to escape the world pursuit of Slater and Danny. Um, you know, typical movie. Well, I don't know how to work. It just push the buttons. It'll work. My biggest problem with this, and I only noticed it on this watch through, is after the helicopter shooting him in the elevator. Yep. And he's hanging onto the elevator. And then the yep. elevator breaks away. So the elevator's, you know, at the bottom of the screen here. And he lets go. And he's falling away from, you know, the camera. So he's getting smaller and smaller and yep. smaller. Well, he lets go of that piece of elevator that breaks off. Which direction did that immediately go? Directly into the elevator. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the way they shot it on the green screen, it went down from the camera angle while he's going down. <laughs> I was like, wow, I totally missed that before. But that is yeah, I, a big miss on their part. <laughs> yeah, well, but who knows? It could have been intentional to poke fun at action movies. Yeah, could have been. That, you know, every time they cut to the crane, it was a different style of crane. That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
I love the scene when it's going through the funeral and people are and falling. And... But yeah, so he saves the day. He's great. But now Slater becomes despondent upon learning the truth, as well as his mor- mortality in the real world, but cheers up after spending some time with Irene. Meanwhile, Benedict devises a plan to kill the actor portraying Slater in the movie Arnold Schwarzenegger, after which he can bring other villains from the other movies into the real world and take over. To help, Benedict brings the Ripper, villain of Jack Slater 3, to the premiere of Jack Slater 4 to assassinate Schwarzenegger in the crowd. Danny and Slater learn of this and race there. Slater saves Schwarzenegger and kills the Ripper. Benedict appears, shoots Slater, critically injuring him. Danny subdues and disarms Benedict, allowing Slater to grab his revolver and shoot Benedict in the explosive glass eye, killing him. However, the blast causes the stub to be lost. With Slater losing blood, Danny knows that the only way to save him is to return him to the fictional world, where it is merely a flesh wound. Um, and so the ticket sub falls in front of a theater that's playing the film The Seventh Seal, um, where the figure of death, played by Ian McKellen, emerges from the screen. Death appears before Danny and Slater as they arrive at the theater in a hurry, and Danny holds death at gunpoint. But death clarifies that he was simply curious. Uh, Jack Slater is missing from his list of when people die because he's fictional. And Danny is slated to die as a grandfather. Um, Death then suggests searching for the other half of the ticket. Um, Danny finds it and is able to take Slater back into his movie, where the wounds instantly heal. Uh, Danny returns to the real world before the portal closes, and a recovered Slater then enthusiastically embraces the true nature of his reality. And when he talks to Decker about his new plan, um, he is appreciating the differences between the two worlds. Uh so Danny and Nick then share a heartfelt moment reminiscing about their past while Slater drives away on the screen waving goodbye. Um, let's let's talk about Jack Slater in the real world. You know, obviously they see Arnold Schwarzenegger think that it's him. So tries to go and kill him, and then the people at the movie theater are like, oh, wow, this is awesome cosplay, like, how did you change so quickly? Um, which like kind of spoofing at the big Hollywood premieres and. Oh, I love when Arnold's chasing him down, going, "Hey, you can you can do some mall openings and some movie premieres and stuff like yeah. that." You know? Yeah. And his wife telling him not to like promote stuff. <laughs> that that's Arnold though. You can't stop Arnold from promoting. <laughs> I mean, he's in the middle of the street. He goes in the taxi. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Hi, you didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> it's like, no, nobody expects that from Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> no. So what, what did you think about the setting? Like, Kyle, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. You're good. Go. Do it. Do it. That movie would. <laughs> nope. Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, um, it was colorful and bright. You know, we didn't even get into the part where he um falls into the dinosaur pit, the tar pit. Oh Jesus! And then yeah. just, just the bubble, and then all of a sudden, 
the daughter shows up in this big ass truck and has nice spare change you know, clothes ready to like, go. And he's just like, Oh yeah, here goes the tar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you go to the real world and it's dark, it's full of crime. Like even when Vivaldi goes in and he's like, I just shot somebody where Pokemon movies because the minute the bad guy does something, the cops are on their tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New York, so, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, especially because like it, it kind of makes sense with the first half of the movie being in L.A., so it's like sunny and stuff, and the second half in New York, so it kind of plays out that way too. Yeah, and, you know they poke fun at you know the rest of the country when they're like it's California, it's Los Angeles, all the people are hot. <laughs> you know when all the girl like. When he's like the phone number bit. Mm-hmm. What's your phone number? Oh, five 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 one two three four. Okay, that's everybody. What's your home phone number? She tells him the home phone. See, everybody's number is five 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 in the movie world, and Aries. you know that. Yeah, you know, very common thing in movies when they have a phone number mm-hmm. that it's. Five, well, yeah, five, five. You don't want to wind up with the. They didn't use the area code. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Because that caused all kinds of problems back in the day. <laughs> yes. Just dial three random numbers beforehand, you're bound to get somebody. Yep. So. So now, now that we've jumped back and forth from the movie world to the real world, um, Justin, you brought it up earlier, the sound and the music. I mean, this has a great soundtrack. I love this soundtrack. A lot of good hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock type deals. Mm -hmm. ACDC, Metallic, Megadeth, all of them. I mean, it was just wonderful. I I mean, they even had different, they they had the different sound effects, too, between the two worlds. The gunshot sounded different. The car accident sounded different. Yes. It seemed like the the movie. was a little, uh, you know, um, what would be the word, like, exaggerated. Yeah. As it would be, you know, when you're sitting in a movie theater. And um, How about the cinematography of the movie? You know, the, the movie scenes are shot like a movie, but it, it felt like that the real world was kind of filmed differently as it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a really good job of that. You know. All right, the effects, you know, we talked about the house scene when it's shooting all around and shit's blowing up and that he just randomly walks up to a guy in New York and shoots him and, okay, like, that was it. Like, it's not extravagant as it is in the yeah, movie world. shot the back of the cab expecting it to explode and you just get two bullet holes in the middle of the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we—I'm sure we'd all, all love to see a car explode with one bullet shot. Uh, but the script and the dialogue—I mean, this it, it, this movie was terrific for that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely a lot of good references and stuff. I mean, they just slipped in all kinds of little subtle references, and I mean, he was ripping on himself. Throughout most of the movie, oh, I yeah. mean, it, I think it was 
brilliantly played off. I think my yeah. favorite part was when he goes into the blockbuster and he's like, oh, okay, uh, look at you were in Terminator 2 and it's Stallone. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. I love him. Oh yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, you know, yeah. I guess that was thrown in there because of their friendly rivalry they've had going on for years. Um, yeah, Shane Black is definitely one of my favorite writers. So I had no idea he wrote this until I searched it up in the middle of it. But yeah, it's cool to see. Yeah, that. I didn't. It's it's funny when you watch something from twenty, thirty years ago, and then. It's somebody that is like doing big blockbuster movies now, and you're like, "Wow, okay." Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's pretty cool. So, um, how about the directing and the acting? You the know, uh, the guy who directed also, I looked up what he's done, and he did uh, Die Hard, Predator, and The Hunt for Red October. So it kind of makes sense, like because you know he's worked with Arnold before in Predator, and like mm-hmm. you know he did a, yeah. the one of the most Iconic action movies, so it's kind of cool he went into this spoofy type thing, too. Which is how they snuck in that Die Hard reference in the middle of the movie. Yes. (laughs) If only they had him in a tower on... Well, actually, Dexter 3 took place on Christmas Day. Because the cop says, like, oh, what a way to spend Christmas. And yeah, I would mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little nod to I think my favorite was the um, when he electrocuted the guy, I zapped him and he shot the other guy. I like mm-hmm. the uh, scene with the helicopter in the elevator, yeah. I just like the whole roof rooftop with the crane and the fat guy. And he's just, you know. Uh, he, how about the length of the movie? He's still alive. We need a doctor. And he's checking his chin. Minutes. Um, I think it was actually two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. A little bit long. Um, it's a great movie, but, you know, it's a long But, I mean, movie. it broke it up to where. Yeah. It you know half of the movie is in the film and half of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, the real world. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of those movies that you know I don't re- realize how long it is. Because yes. I mean, I get you know you get caught up into it. I got sucked into it. Even now, I still get sucked into it every time I watch it. Um, I, I don't notice the time. I, so I think the two hours is perfectly fine. If, if you can get away with having somebody sit there and just not even realize it's two hours, then you've done your job. Because this movie, the first time I saw uh, The Departed, no idea it was that long of a movie. I thought it was over in like an hour because mm-hmm. yeah. it just moved along and it just kept my attention. That That's how I feel about this movie. It's just it keeps my attention. And I can I tell you how long it is. After seeing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse this weekend, I knew how long that movie was. I've, I've stated before, I'm not a fan of that style of animation. I wasn't a fan of the first movie, but Hunter wanted to go see it. So, and I looked down, I was like, it's got to be at least almost over. I said, holy shit, it's only been, how long is this movie? And then I looked up how quickly, how long the movie was. And it was two hours and 20 minutes. I was like, fuck, man. This is going to be a long-ass fucking day. 
and it ended up being like he, Hunter was into it, but you know he lost. He was kind of losing him attention too at certain points during the slow points. But with this movie, when I saw two hours and ten minutes, I was like, okay, but it flew by. I never realized it was two hours. You know, the time flew by, so. Do we recommend last action? A thousand percent. Like I said, I think this is Schwarzenegger's best action movie. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, potential sequel. No. Potential. I, I, I think they have a lot of directions they could go with a sequel. Yeah, I don't you necessarily know. think they need a sequel. I mean, they could easily do a reboot. You could use anybody. You could use any We're, action. You could use any style of movie, really. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm really surprised this didn't have a sequel. I know it wasn't a big blockbuster. You know, it was kind of... I believe it went up against Jurassic Park. Yeah, well, that was the problem. We got shot down by that. Yeah, and... But, I mean, shit, we just got a a second uh, kindergarten cop a couple years ago. We have Beetlejuice 2 getting filmed right now, so... Yeah. So, you know, I could see... If you could pick one action star to play... A new version of Jack Slater. Who would you pick? I mean, there's no yeah. really big action stars right now. Like, yeah, I mean, they're it's all super same guys, still kind of yeah, float yeah, themselves out. But I mean, you know what? I would like to see. You know, depending on how he does with the Naked Gun, I could see Liam Neeson doing something like this. Yeah. You know, that's what, right into that role. He could do a British version of it. Yeah, and you know, he'd definitely have no problem poking fun at himself like he has mm-hmm. in Ted. Mm-hmm. You know, um, million ways to die. Yeah. You know, I, I could see. I think it'd be funny if they did like, it's Jack Slater six, and it's Jack Slater's brother played by Sylvester Stallone. You know, and. Poking fun at each other, but uh, what about a Jason Statham? Yeah, that could work. Yeah, he, I could see him playing Jack Slater and poking fun, kind of mm-hmm. like a, a crank. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And as far as the child actor goes, has he done anything else? He was in other movies at that time. I don't know about more recently. What was the name again? Austin O'Brien? Yep. With an Ian. Oh, no, that wasn't. (laughs) Just okay. Um, 
Oh yeah, I forgot he was in My Girl too. Yeah. Uh, most recently, his last movie was All Our Yesterdays in 2015. Um, he was on Bones, A Christmas Too Many, Promised Land, Touched by an Angel, ER, The Babysitter's Club. He was in Apollo 13. Yeah. Lawn Mower Man. Oh yeah, he's yeah, still yeah, 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 still alive. Yeah, yeah, he's still alive. So, um, all right, Justin, what's your rating of Last Action Hero? I'll give this four and three quarters. Four and three quarters, Kyle. I give it four and a half. I gave it a four. Um, IMDb gave it a. 6.4, Rotten Tomatoes of 40%, and Letterboxd 3.3 out of 5. And that shows you why we are average um, movie fans. Because we are different than all these other stupid websites. <laughs> well, the fans that vote They on. don't know the greatness of what they've asked. Yeah, well, I mean, it got tanked by all the critics and all that crap, too, so. Yeah, plus it went up against Jurassic Park, the biggest blockbuster of '93. Like, how could you compete? A it guy only that came in a year before the greatest year ever. So I mean, it's yeah, exactly. So, um, I can't believe it's been 30 years. I remember the action figures, but um, all right. So next week we're gonna be. Be doing the Twilight the movie. I don't think I've ever seen this one. No, nope. I haven't either. I know it was the last movie of Vic Morrow. Yeah. Um, who sadly lost his life during filming due to a helicopter accident. Yes. Yeah. So looking forward to watching that. But for now, the bar. It's closed. Go home. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us and stay up to date with the podcast at the Movie Bar Pod on Twitter, at Movie Bar Podcast on Instagram, at Movie Bar Pod on YouTube, and at the Movie Bar Podcast on Facebook. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't expect that. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and most places you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to check out our website, www.moviebarpod.com. Thank you for listening. Please let us know what you want to hear by contacting us on social media or via email at themoviebaroutlook.com. Please be sure to like, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.